This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. It is 7.52 on the Blitz 1170. Coming up in about 38 minutes, Scott Hennessy. Major League Baseball playoffs begin tonight. We'll talk to the manager of the Drillers and get his take on it. In the meantime, Rick Corey and Scott File here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Proud to welcome, as we do on Tuesdays, to our hotline, Bill Blankenship, head football coach at Owasso. Well, coach, if you wondered how your team was going to bounce back after that Union game, I'd say you did a pretty doggone good job of it. you got to be feeling pretty good this morning. Yes, sir, Rick. Uh, Scott, it's good to be with you guys. And, uh, yeah, what a difference a week makes. You know, uh, that's why we that's why we go do this. And I uh, can't wait uh, every week to get to get out there again to see uh, how we're going to respond. But, uh, boy, howdy, our boys uh, – uh, responded in a in a big way and had a, a really four quarter dominating victory. Is some of that because you just you know there's that hey I want to get this taste out of my mouth kind of thing. Did you sense that during the week? Well, I did, and and Rick, I I may have said this last week. I I know I've said it to my wife and a lot of other people. I have yet after forty years to figure this deal out on, you know it's not just good practice that does it. You know, mm-hmm. we'd had a really good week of practice getting ready for union. And uh, certainly we played a great opponent, but we, we also didn't show up with what I would call our a game, you know, and really on edge. And um, it seemed to get our attention and it seemed like all week we were preparing with a, a little more intentionality Um and I will tell you that from the opening kickoff all the way through, uh, I just really love the the intention, uh, uh, attention to detail, and intentionality in terms of being physical and wanting to establish the the uh, you know the standard for the game. Yeah, and uh, they didn't let up. No, as a matter of fact, you're down 3 nothing, and then suddenly uh, you score more than 50 unanswered to go ahead and win this game. Great game for your quarterback, a great game for a couple other guys. We'll get into those as well in a moment. Bill Blankenship with us, head football coach at Owasso. Scott? I was at your game Friday night, and one of the things that impressed me the most oh, good. was the atmosphere. I realized it was homecoming, so that kind of added a little extra juice. Yeah. But there was such a buzz. There was such an atmosphere in that game on Friday night and, you know, watching it during timeouts. And how much do your guys feed off of that? And how much of a home field advantage does that become for you all? Well, Scott, I do think it's a big deal. I I think too often uh, we may take it a little bit for granted. But uh, if if you haven't been there in a while, um, I think it's lost on folks really how – what a great job. And I'm going to – start with Zach Duffield, our athletic director, but he's got an incredible team of folks, um, you know, that tie into the band and the spirit groups. And I'm not just dropping names. I'm just telling you, they take it serious, um, very seriously about creating that environment during a home game and wanting to do it, you know, better than, than what most people do. And I just think it just generates so much energy and gives our guys an opportunity um, to to add their juice to it, and all of a sudden it's pretty pretty dang special. But yeah. it was it was electric on Friday night for sure. And you, you had your quarterback was electric too. You had a really really nice night. Uh, Knox Dyson, nineteen of twenty six, two hundred and thirty three yards. A lot of guys did, but more impressive for me is your balance: two hundred forty six yards throwing, two hundred eighty yards 
uh, more uh, rushing. I mean, I, I thought you guys, you know, in just looking and breaking down what you did, of course, I was at a different game, but in looking and breaking down what you yep. did, uh, equally effective, I thought, in both, even though the numbers aren't exactly even. That's not what we're discussing there. Is this team moving toward that? Are they better at that than who you've had in the past? Well, the thing I love about it, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Knox is playing well, <clears throat> but he's really being that point guard I talk about a lot. And and we, we've got more balance on the team offensively. To give you some idea, and, th- and this was ap- actually happening way before it turned into a blowout late, but we had uh, eight different receivers catch the ball. Uh, I... I I don't remember how many scored touchdowns, but eight eight different receivers that caught it, eight different uh, athletes rushed the football. Um, we're rotating literally four running backs, four sophomore running backs in at at our, uh, our ro- uh, running back spot, and all of them are being productive. So I, I just think offensively it generates or, or gives us the chance to generate some balance because we've got receivers and uh, running backs all being effective when they touch the ball. Mm-hmm. It's a couple more minutes here with Bill Blankenship, head football coach at Owasso. Okay, so now you, you, know, you come off the loss and you have a, a big win. Now you, you got an, a Norman, or an, pardon me, an Edmund North team. And you have to go yep. there. That is two and four, and now yep. you got to get your team back into that kind of a, hey, this is the part of the grind mentality. How have they reacted to that? How do you approach it? Well, they're saying the right things. They're 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 talking about the right things. Uh, you know, certainly the concern um, with some teams. You know, one of your one of your, the things that coaches should be concerned about is when you have success. And how do you handle success? Can you build on that? Can you continue to to become the team that you're supposed to be? Well, we all know you you've done this a long time, and the coaches that you talk to on the on the air here. But if you're a really good team, you're, you pack up and you travel well. You can go across the state and bring your defense and bring your intensity and bring your focus. Um, if, you're a, if, if you're a wannabe, then you're going to struggle in those cases. So that's my challenge to our guys. You know, which team's going to show up? Are we going to become the team that can contend once we get to playoff time? And to do that, We've got to hit this this part of our schedule where there is we're going to have three trips to the Oklahoma City area in the next five weeks, and this is the first. And oh, by the way, they play the state championship in Edmond. So if you ever have a dream of doing that, you better learn how to travel and get down the, the turnpike and be able to play well. Mm-hmm. And so those are the the messages we give them, and I know our guys are receiving it. But uh, we'll see how we respond on Friday night. That's always the fun. See how you respond on a Friday and then hope to have a chance on Saturday to sit back and, and smile just a little bit. Uh, Bill, thanks for your time this morning. We know you're headed off to work. You go ahead and get after it, and we will keep uh, track of that score Friday night. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You betcha. Bill Blankenship, head football coach at Owasso. It is 8 o'clock. Pardon me. Yeah, it is 8 o'clock, isn't it? Yeah, it's 8 o'clock here on the Blitz 1170. This time tomorrow, we'll honor the best in Oklahoma's high school football. It's the Athlete of the Week, presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma, right here on the Blitz 1170. Scott File and Rick Corey. So you mentioned that atmosphere out there, Scott, and it's, you know, if you haven't, if, if you haven't been to a high school football game in a while in Oklahoma, 
you're missing out. There are some wonderful atmospheres around. And, you know, honestly, it's pretty doggone full every weekend, so I don't think there are that many people missing out. If you combine Broken Arrow and Owasso, Jinx, Union, Bixby, just want to give a night, and that's not even talking about some of our other locals around here, the number of people in those stadiums is pretty incredible. Yeah, it was. It was because uh, I, I went to two games. I covered two games Friday, and I started in Oolaga, and I know you're saying Ulaga, but there was a really nice crowd there in Ulaga. Of course, the weather was perfect Friday mm, it night. Was, yeah. uh, and there was a really great crowd in Ulaga. And then, of course, you, you get to Owasso, and it's homecoming. So that helped. And it was just, you know, there was just an electric atmosphere there in Owasso. I mean, you think they had an Owasso? Did they ever announce? Uh, not that I heard, but it was, um, I mean, the home side was full. The visitor side was pretty full. And, of course, uh, now in Owasso, you know, they have the student section in the end zone. Right. So the end zone was, was, was pretty full, much right. full. Yeah. So it was, it was a, a, a near sellout. I know so. that, uh, at, I know and you, my association has been through the years with union and they had, a, there was a number once, it was something like 75 to 80% of their kids are involved in some kind of post school, outside school activity. Now that doesn't always mean athletics. That can be fine arts and, and band, and it can mean many other things. Could be some kind of a club or, or anything from that standpoint. But I do know that on game nights, almost everybody on a, on the faculty works. Almost everyone, and a lot of those folks are volunteers who really enjoy going out to those things. So on a given night at a high school stadium, you're looking at uh, not only people that are involved in football, but are involved in the dance and cheer and band and and pep squad. And believe me, those are all different things. The spirit squad, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas. It's 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 pretty amazing. I mean, and I'm certain you know Texas does it too. I broadcast a couple of games down there, obviously. Broadcast a couple in California. Well, one in California with with uh, Union at Clovis. Uh, one in Ohio at McKinley for that Kirk Herb Street Classic. And a couple other places around. And, you know, you just Texas does it, but not a lot of other people do it like Oklahoma does it when it comes to that. At any rate, uh, we have proud to have Jinx football right here on the Blitz 1170. And you'll t- hear them take on Norman North. 6.30 is the pregame time. We'll talk to their head football coach, Keith Riggs, about that on Friday. They need that win. They'll need that bounce back. There's no there's no question. All right, at 8.02 here on the Blitz 1170, still to come, we're going to talk to uh, the manager of the Drillers. He is the mayor of Drillville, Scott Hennessy. We'll talk a little Major League Baseball playoffs. As tonight, the Rays host Texas. It's Twins Blue Jays. Phillies hosting Miami and D-backs at Milwaukee. That is your playoff run tonight. All right, so we've talked about Texas and Oklahoma a little bit. Let's switch our gears here to a game you'll hear right here on the Blitz 1170. And that, of course, is Oklahoma State on Friday. This is a Friday game now. 4.30 pregame time, 6.30 kickoff, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. It's the blackout game. It is a sellout and Mike Gundy is very excited about that, as you can imagine. Cowboys looking for some consistency. And we know at the quarterback position with the consistent changes they had there that at least last game out, even though you didn't win that game, you you stayed with a quarterback. Let me ask you this, Scott File. And, again, you see them a little bit more than, than most of us do. Jeremy and I are on the road with Tulsa. You've had an opportunity to go down there and cover them. In your opinion, will they be a more consistent offense with one quarterback? And when I say consistent – I don't just mean, you know, the, the snap count. I'm talking about consistently successful, which they have, you know, they've struggled at some this year. And will that help? I think so. You saw you saw some of that success. I know Gundy uh, credited the offensive line to blocking better in Iowa State. But I think there was more 
I mean, yeah, they, they did block a little better in, in Ames, but I think there's more consistency with just having the one guy back there and knowing who it will be and knowing that he's the guy, that he's not just going to play four series and then you're going to change. I think that helped just having that consistency. And I think now that it's been established, you know, it was established last week that Bowman was the guy. You know, you've practiced, you've had the bye week, so you've had almost two full weeks now of practice you know, Gundy and saying last night that Bowman's going to be the guy. I think that helps. I think it helps that you're coming back on the road. Or, I mean, coming back home. Excuse me. You were on the road last week. I think that helps. And it's going to be a sellout crowd. It's going to be a blackout. There's going to be a, uh, you know, there might be a little bit of uneasy nerves, I think, at the beginning of the game because OSU fans are going to be like, what kind of team are we going to see? Mm-hmm. Because you remember the last time we saw them in Stillwater, it wasn't pretty. So I think there might be a little bit of unease, but I, I I think having that consistency at quarterback, I think that's going to help. You know, and Bowman right now is the 274th ranked quarterback in, in America overall numbers-wise when you look at pro football focus because it is, you know, he just he hasn't had the opportunity to perform as much. Now, again, because you've seen all three guys, what does he bring to this group that is, you know, significantly different. I mean, I think we, I think we do know Gunner runs a little better, and Rangel is, is athletic, and we don't think of Bowman as the, as much that way. Although he did scramble for at least a first down. Yeah, he had the touchdown too. Right. So, was, what well, do you think he? What is it he brings? Well, I think the biggest thing is is just the veteran presence and leadership. You know, he's he's been at this is his third school now, so he's been in the in the big situations. He's you know he's been under the pressure. He's been under the lights, and I think just having that. I mean, Rangel's only played a handful of games last year under his belt when he started at the end of the season when Spencer Sanders went down. And, of course, you know, Gundy's Gunner has been a backup. He's played a little bit of time, but he hasn't had a whole lot of experience. And Bowman has that. Now, granted, he didn't play much at Michigan, but he was still there. It's a, You know, it's the Big Ten. You know, you're playing in front of 100,000-plus fans. I just And just being older and just having – you know, just that experience. I think that helps. I think that's the biggest thing he brings. And, you know, and, and I said this before, it seemed like he was just a victim. He was just snake bitten during that three quarterback rotation because it just seemed like whenever he was in there, there were always the key drops or there was some kind of penalty that killed something. It, he was just, it just seemed like for whatever reason, and of course, part of this you couldn't get with any of the three quarterbacks, but they just couldn't seem to build any momentum with him in there. So I think he kind of seemed to be snake bitten in that. So I, you know, we'll see how it getting back home will help. You know, and, and they have they did perform better in Ames, as you said. And, you know, coach said they blocked a little better. They did perform better. As a matter of fact, they had over four hundred yards. They went, I think, for four oh nine, and nobody had done that on Iowa State in about twenty games. So having putting up a little extra yardage, I mean that they didn't win, and that doesn't matter. Well, the turnovers you, killed you. Yeah, but. they did. And the, and then the defensive lapses, because you know those guys didn't play. The guys on offense didn't play any defense, and they did have the you know Mike Gundy has talked about in the last couple of weeks. You know the we had these. You know you have the one. Unfortunately, a lot of times when you make a defensive mistake, you pay with touchdowns. I mean there are times you can make a mistake, and yeah, you get a big play against you, but they don't score, and. If they don't score and you can hold the other team to a you know, field goal or a field goal try, you feel like you've gotten out of it. The Cowboys have been snake-bitten this year, and then when they give up 
a bust, it's a six. It's a bust. Yeah, I mean, and they've got guys running wide open, and it's a six, and that's that's been hard to come back from. A sold-out crowd should help. I think a, a second game in a row with Bowman should help. This is, you know, as Coach Gundy said, this Kansas State team is going to be the best team they played thus far. Now, the South Alabama team we thought was really talented, and I think they are. They go out and, you know, they lay an egg last weekend, which makes that loss look worse. I don't know that necessarily. I mean, it's not a good loss. I get that. But I think that's still a pretty good South Alabama team. But this team did show life against Iowa State, and as much as they were, you know, oh, my God, what's going to happen, you have to look at some of the good things and hope that 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 carries on because that Iowa State team can still play defense. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. They can still play defense. They've been as good during Matt Campbell's time in the last five or six years as anybody in the league. And by the way, when Campbell <clears throat> Campbell was, uh, they were yelling hot seat at Campbell as he ran off the field the other day. And I mean, he didn't turn around and go back and scream and yell at him this time. But they've been yelling at at him again. So uh, he's he might you know he he's probably playing for something as we go forward too. Yeah, and and OSU is kind of in the same boat as OU is, and that this is kind of a a revenge week for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you remember they you could argue that last year's game in Manhattan was probably the worst under the Gundy era as far as not just score but just the way they were played. Mm-hmm. They played they were just completely non-competitive in that game. Yep. And so there's revenge factor you know, on their mind too. Yeah, and, and just if you think for a second that just because Deuce Vaughn's gone, they can't run it at Kansas State. They can. DJ Giddens is really good. I mean, they they have reasons to be, you know, to be excited up there as well. This one I think is really important for Oklahoma State and bowl hopes. Uh, above all, I think oh, this is huge. Yeah, it is absolutely huge because if you break down the rest of the schedule, and we can do that here in a minute, you, you, you kind of like when Kevin Wilson pointed at, hey, we've got to win that Northern Illinois, we've got to win that Temple game. I mean, it, you, certainly the world doesn't end if you do, but you know what he was talking about. Now you have an opportunity to go off and accomplish what you want. Then this one's that big for Oklahoma State, and we'll get into that in a moment. Rick Corey and Scott File right here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Proud to welcome you in and have you text 918-262-5072 with your predictions for Oklahoma and Texas. We already have a 38-35 Sooners prediction here today. And I, I mean, Scott and I are, are kind of going back and forth. I got a feeling it's going to be in the 40s, which probably means it's going to be in the teens. Literally, I, I, <laughs> I'm generally absolutely backwards and wrong on that. Oft, I mean, your first blush, high scoring, low scoring, mediocre. Medium, pardon me. Uh, I was thinking medium. I just, I got a feeling but it's going to be. Again, I'm probably it. wrong. So. I, I can, I just, something tells me that eventually we're going to end up in a track meet. And I know both defenses have played pretty well. They have, and Alabama's done it against Texas, and I mean, they, Texas done it against Alabama and Kansas. Oklahoma's done it against. Okay, Cincinnati, probably the best team they played thus far. Um, still, they've been very good defensively. And you know, and then you know, you sleep all day or, or say I'm stupid. Tulsa moved the ball, and Washington had a harder time against Oklahoma. Uh, they, I just think this Sooners defense is really pretty good. Now, I think Texas has a lot, has a lot of weapons. But you know what happens in a game like this? If it starts to roll, you could see that happening. Neither of these defenses have made huge busts. Both of them been able to be athletic enough to, to you know, to catch people when they needed to. I, I just, I, I'm not quite sure where I am on that one yet. Uh, all right. So anyway, we'll take your guesses right there. Your, I'm calling them guesses because let's be honest, it's we're a all guess. just guessing, right? <laughs> At nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. Yes, exactly. And so yesterday, Mike Gundy met with the media and had his opportunity. And, and again, here's a coach who there are a lot of people yelling hot seat about Mike. 
There was an excellent article by Bill uh, Heiston the other day in the Tulsa World that said, look, if he wants to be back next year, he will. That's going to be up to him. And that's probably a fair assessment. But uh, there's a time when I think a lot of fans are kind of feeling like it's close to panic time, and you don't see that from the head coach. And as he was talking yesterday uh, to the media, one of the things he talked about, of course, Kansas State and what he sees in this game coming up. Let's just get a little bit of that, and we'll get into those bowl predictions. Their safeties are good players, and they tackle really well. Linebacker play, 32, uh, runs around, makes a lot of plays. I see him making plays. Front-wise, a different group, but, you know, relentless. They play hard. They look very similar to what they did. Uh, they were a little more experienced in the box last year, uh, but their their back end is very experienced with those safeties. I know Bowman hasn't been given the keys necessarily to the to the vehicle yet, but one thing about him, and even through the, the quarterback rotation, he was extremely uh, positive, and then I think he was that way too when he met with the media after the game. Yeah. And I, I, well, yeah, he's been good. Yeah, he's been that way from day one. Um, you know, very mature, older, been around, seen a lot of different things in his career, and he's been good for us. Coach, Kansas State's top 20 in offense in total and scoring. What challenges do they give your defense? Um, they do a good job with uh, running the ball. They've always had. They, they have linemen in their program that they've uh, developed and, and, and um, gotten stronger over the years. Um, they're majority of them are somewhat kind of local, homegrown kids that take pride in that, and they rush the ball really well. They're physical. Uh, the improvement that they've made over the last couple years is their quarterback who's played how many years now? How many years has he been there? I mean, seriously, six? Early memory years ago, they were struggling, but he's played so many games now that he's gotten better. I see that as where their improvements come from is – However many games he's played and been around, he's just more experienced. He's talking, of course, there about Will Howard, who has been around Kansas State for it seems like a long time. Now, the other thing that he talked about yesterday, and, and they didn't ask him this till the end, but I wanted to play it because I thought it was interesting, is he was asked about NIL, and he was asked about, you know, specifically about Pokes with a Purpose, uh, which is, you know, the OSU NIL and, and collectives. And one of the questions, the question was really had to do more with, you know, with the way things are going in NIL and collectives, is it going to be the key to college football thus forward? Uh, and he talks a little bit about the OSU collective here. Yeah, the NIL and the collective is very, very important. And I think that um, Pokes with a Purpose and our administration has done a good job of trying to get information out there. Um, it is very important. It, uh, it is becoming a part of um, college football. And I think it's here to stay. So it is very important, and it's something that um, is, I guess, going to grow from here on out. What direction it will go, nobody knows. But it is very important. Um, It's a part of what we do. Uh, And um, Pokes for the Purpose has done a great job. Uh, And how they work with our administration in the future is important and I think they're trying to work through all that right now as is every other school in the country is NIL something you're pitching with recruits is like you know we have this great collective here at Oklahoma State folks with a purpose and that's different than other schools might be and, and is that something you're you're talking about with with potential recruits and commits we don't here because it's illegal I don't break the rules 
So now I don't know if other people do or not. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that answer right there was a little bit telling as well. And he was very straightforward. We don't. And, you know, when he said a couple of years, it wasn't, no, it wasn't a couple of years ago, when he said a little over a year ago, you know what, I'm not much for this and I'm not paying a lot of attention. And he was talking about the portal and NIL, the whole thing. Uh, now that has obviously changed. But it's got the pokes with a purpose. He makes a point there. It, I mean, I'm sure around the country there are a lot of collectors doing a lot of good. We hear about young men around the country and young women who have income from NIL and they're using it for other for the right purposes, giving that to mm-hmm. charities or whatever. Pokes with a purpose has kind of started on that basis. And although he's right, you can't go in doing what the knuckleheaded A&M did a few years ago, you know, and talking <laughs> about the suites and saying all those people are going to pay you money to play here, which somebody ought to just hang that dude up by his toenails to begin with. You can't do that. You probably... I don't know. I, I don't think you can probably separate it out, but it wouldn't hurt for the, for those coming in to understand that you're going to profit, but you're going to help others profit as well. Yeah, and you're going to do some good. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna truly make a difference in in people's lives. That's kind of what they've done, and I th- I think it's worthwhile. I now he talked about Kansas State. He talked about Will Howard being there a long time. He talked about how that program has continued to get to get better, and how he expects that Bowman will kind of settle things down. And it's, it's like he was asked, you know, he hadn't really necessarily been handed the keys. Although at this point, unless it's disastrous against Kansas State, would you su- be surprised if he didn't start again? Minus injury, of course. Uh, you mean after the Kansas yeah, State right. game? Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, by, as you said, barring something just catastrophic, you know, play wise, no, it wouldn't. I saw a suggestion the other day that was interesting, but in my immediate reaction as a football guy is, well, that's silly. And that was instead of going every other like series, give a guy a game. So Bowman starts one gunner starts one and Rangel starts one, give him a game and then make your choice. Now, to me, what you're saying right there is let's just throw three games out the window because we don't know what's going to happen. And we'll see at the end of that on that game four where we want to go. My initial response is the football guys can't do that. But my initial response is the football guys, you can't change every series either. And it didn't work that well. But when you're not quite sure, where do you go from there? What do you think about the one game at a time thing? Well, I mean, that's an interesting point because I think that's one of the reasons why the offense, I mean, there are multiple reasons why the offense struggled in the first three games, but I think that's one of the reasons why they struggled is because none of the three quarterbacks, they were able to really get in there and start building a rhythm, getting something, some momentum going. I think that's that was part of the problem because, you know, you you get a few drops early in your first series or you know the run game's not working and next thing you know you're done for the day you can't get back out there and and start completing passes getting some momentum going so that is an interesting concept you might have been able to get away with it this year uh, you know other than that Arizona State game i mean who knew what we were going to get going to Tempe but mm-hmm. you know with with playing Central Arkansas and 
Well, of course, we knew South Alabama was going to be a tough game. We didn't think it was going to turn out like that. But no, no I thought if they lost it, it'd be close. I mm-hmm. didn't think they'd get they would get kind of door, doors blown off late like they did. Well, I thought that was an interesting thought by someone. I don't. I, I, neither one is ideal. No. Ideally, you obviously want to have a guy and you go with him, but you'd probably learn more in a one game, one game, one game. Although you would almost kind of just say those three games. We just don't. Know, we're not sure what's going to happen, but we have a we have a bigger purpose. It made me in high school it worked more because you get the district right, but yeah. games count other, overall. Other than the first three games, you I mean they're your non conference games, so you still have the Big Twelve title game in front of you. Right. Exactly. So I mean that's. That that would still be there in front of you, and mm-hmm. you'd have a better idea of of you know how a guy handles a game situation mm-hmm. and game management. I mean, what happens when you know he throws an interception? How does he bounce back if you know if it's if it's his fourth series of the of the night and he throws the interception? Well, he's done. So I th- I think I don't know. I, I I see the I can see the justification from it. But I agree with you. I think neither situation is ideal. No. All right, so we, we talk about you know trying to win for bowl purposes for Oklahoma State. If you look at this Kansas State game, sell out at home on a Friday, that's kind of special. You hope you can go out there and you get that important win. Because then you got Kansas com- coming in, and you know, Jalen Daniels is a wild card. We understand that. Bean can still play, although he didn't play great last week against Texas. Um, if, I, if I were just to say Kansas and Oklahoma State win-loss, what are you going to say? I think Vegas early had this as a pick 'em. I don't. It's hard to say without knowing what we're going to see this week because Mm -hmm. you're coming off the bye week and who knows what you're going to see. And it's just that point in the year where you're still saying where it's hard to know what you're going to get. All right, OSU. Let's leave that one. OSU at West Virginia. I right now I'd say loss. West Virginia is vastly improved. You look at when Neil Brown is doing up there and, and Morgantown's always such a tough place to play. Yeah, his seat has cooled, shall we say. Cincinnati at Oklahoma State. It helps that that game's in Stillwater. I'd say OSU. I'd give that one a win. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Yeah, OU right now. Oklahoma State at UCF. A UCF team a little reeling right now because of what happened at Baylor, but Gus will put the board doors back on. And that's that that place is going to be rocking. That's that's the space game down there mm-hmm. in, in Orlando. I think right now I'd have to take Central Florida. Oklahoma State at Houston? OSU. I think so too. And then BYU at OSU. That's a tough one too. I know Vegas has OSU as an early, I think two and a half point favorite. I that's just at home, man, because yeah. that's what you get. You yeah. get three to five you get at home. three points for being at home. Keaton Slovis has been pretty good this year. Wasn't great last week, but he was really good a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Oklahoma they State don't has, beat themselves. They don't, and Oklahoma State's given up some plays defensively, and, and Slovis would take advantage of that. I think that one still has a lot to do with how we get there. But, I mean, even if we just kind of go pick them on that, you're looking at about three and three the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, So, I mean, we're talking about some important games when it comes to overall bowls. And I said we'd, we'd talk about bowls. There was one prediction, and you had seen it too. Yeah, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network has OSU taking on Colorado in the Independence Bowl. There are a lot of reasons that would be fun. Scott's hatred of Shreveport is not one of them. <laughs> I will tell you, go to In Str- fairness, it's been a while since I've been to Shreveport, and so I, maybe it's changed. Okay, it's still Shreveport, but I will tell you there's a lot more to do there than there used to be. It's not as bad, and if you go, go to Strong. But I think that matchup would supersede anything oh, that, that's going on in Shreveport. And, you know, and the Independence Bowl has been greatly upgraded. I mean, it's still not you know, AT&T Stadium, but it's, it's, it's much nicer 
There are things to do and go to Strawn's. Trust me, just go to Strawn's Diner and have the strawberry pie. And if, as long as you do that, the rest of the trip will pay off. And that's one of the one of the predictions I'd seen. I'd seen a couple of others. I saw Tulsa in some early predictions as well uh, in places that, well, you know, interesting places like uh, down in one of the you know early Dallas Bowls, which would make some sense. You know, you know, as, you know, as we've been told, you know, a lot of those kind of games, you got to have somebody pretty close. And the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl right now, Schlerbeck, uh, Schlebeth has them against Western Kentucky. So I've seen a couple others. Somebody else uh, has Texas State in that game. Texas State Tulsa in that game would be interesting too, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, GJ back against Tulsa. That'd be a lot of fun. We're in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Rick Corey along with Scott File here on this Tuesday drive to work. Time for us to switch gears and move away from football for a second. Talk a little baseball. Major League playoffs began tonight. Guy who knows more about it than anybody I know is Scott Hennessy, the mayor of Drillville, manager of the Drillers. First of all, let's get into your health. How you feeling, my friend? Getting better. Getting a little honor every day. Getting stronger. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one finally. Yeah, yeah, it's got coming. Yeah, well, still dealing with some cancer issues and getting better as it goes along. I know the early treatments were tough. All right, so this is it. This is postseason. This is when it matters. You know, for many teams who have, you know, kind of, you know, I don't want to say glided into the playoffs, but the Dodgers did a little of that. The Braves did a little of that. Some others, too. Uh, is it ever hard to kind of re-kickstart yourself when we get to this time of the year? It is. I, th- I think we did a little bit different. You know, we did. We did have a. I think we ended up with a 15 game lead, and was something like that last year. But last year, I think we wrecked the guys maybe a little bit too much and um, shortened our pitch counts up a little bit too much. But we didn't do that this year. Um, I can't speak for the Braves. I know they had a big lead too. I don't know how they did it, but uh, um, I think I think we're more prepared, more more like game ready. Uh, playoff ready and and you know the guys got their at bats down the stretch and we'll be it's going to be a different year in the playoffs for us this year than it was last year. Yep. Uh, I, well, as a Dodger fan, I certainly hope so. Well, we've got uh, of course wild card play tonight. Rays hosting Texas. Yep. Twins, Blue Jays, back D backs and uh, Milwaukee and Phillies and Miami. Let's start with that Rays Texas series. Texas has been really interesting to me all year. I saw them against the Dodgers earlier this year, but they can light it up at any given time. They've got a couple of really great, you know, they got a couple of great people on that pitching staff. How do you break this one down? I think I think it's just going to come down to pitching. Um, you know, if you could, if you can, you can get to you can get to the Rangers. Um, you know their starters a little bit, and their pen, their their bullpen's just okay. I do think I, th- I think Tampa's pitching's a little bit better. Their starting pitching, their bullpen's really good. I think it just comes down to that. I give that I give a slight edge to Tampa and being at home. Um, I do think the fans will turn out. They you know they turn out for the playoffs, and, and that place is tough to play when it gets loud. I just I just think Tampa's a little bit better in being at home. Uh, they win it because their bullpen. The bullpen, all right. Twins, Blue Jays. Here's again, and you know, for me, I've had an opportunity to cover the Blue Jays a couple of times back, back down in Dunedin in the old days with Joe Carter. Yeah. And I think of yeah. those Blue Jays teams, this one a little different than that. But how do you see this one? Same thing. I, th- I think. I think. I think the Blue Jays are going to get hot offensively. Um, you know, they have power. They can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, and I, you know, the Twins have struggled. You know, the last you know five or six years in the playoffs. I think it comes down to uh, Toronto's offense, and I think I think they're just a little bit better offensively. In the back end of the bullpen, I think Tampa, or, um, Toronto's going to sew that up, and I think I, I give a slight edge to Toronto there. Terry, even though Minnesota's at home. 
Yep. Scott Hennessy with us. He is the manager of the Tulsa Drillers here talking a little baseball, breaking down the playoffs. We'll get into the teams who have the buys in a few minutes. Scott? He just kind of started with the AL series. This playoffs is kind of different than years past. There's no Yankees, no Mets, mm-hmm. no Cubs, no Cardinals. You have three teams that have never won a World Series, the Rays, Rangers, and Brewers. Is this good for baseball or is this bad for baseball? I say it's good getting to some new I, blood in there. Yeah, it is. It is good. You know, you still got the Dodgers and Braves are really good. But, yeah, I mean, you got all these young guys. You got, you got a bunch of young play, players that the fans maybe not get to see all the time because, you know, uh, out, of, out of network coverage. But you're going to see some really good – Toronto's interesting team. Uh, fans are really going to love that, you know, Philly with those pitchers they got. Um that they're they're going to be interesting, but the fans are going to see some really good young talent and guys that's going to be around in the big leagues for a long time. Yeah, over under, and if if Bryce Harper gets tossed in this one, <laughs> well, gonna, I tell you what, you talk about the Phillies. You know, you got Wheeler going tonight, Noah going tomorrow night. Um, if if you knock them out in a series, you, you've earned it. Uh, they're going to be a tough out. I know that you know the the regular season record wasn't as good as us or the Braves or whatever, but uh, they 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 have really good players, really good pitching, and it's going to be a tough out. So, are you picking the Phillies in that one? In in the Diamondback series? Yeah, in the in the yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I, yeah, yeah they, they, they definitely the Phillies in that series. Um, actually, we kind of got a break. Uh, the Dodgers got a break because we, you know, we don't have to beat the Braves and the Phillies to get to the World Series. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Phillies will have to play them in the second round, and they're gonna they're gonna beat each other up, and hopefully they beat each other up for seven games, and um, maybe we can you know knock one of those guys out. But to, to knock out to knock out the Braves or the, or the Phillies, it's it's gonna be it's, it, you're gonna have to play really good and really good for six or seven games and pitch it really good because you know they can hit the long ball. Their, their park's conducive for, for hitting the long ball, and, and uh, you're just going to have to keep them in the park to beat them. Is there a wild – I mean, I know they're wild card teams. Is there a wild card in this group that you think, you know, if all they have to do is hit a streak and they're capable of beating anybody? I think I think Toronto. I think Toronto has a really good team. They're young. They're athletic um, in, in the American League. Um, and, and if they get hot, because uh, they they've proven, you know, they had stretches this year where they, you know, they won eight or nine in a row. Um, their pitching's good enough, and and they're, they're a team that I think could get hot. The minor league season wrapped up Saturday night with the Triple A National Championship out yeah. in Vegas, Oklahoma City playing in that. How great was that to see some of your former guys playing in that? A lot, of, you know that I think we started. Everybody that started that game was was uh, from the Dodgers system and. It was, you know, Fiducia hitting a home run, Bush hitting a home run there late, and guy, yeah, it was, it was, you know, Vivas playing, and uh, Deluca. It, it was great to watch it. Um, good to see him play on TV, and they had a great year. And they, I think, they won ninety games or something like that, and they were on pace to win a hundred. But uh, that's our jobs. That's our jobs. You know, we didn't make the playoffs, but we helped the Triple A team win it, and. Uh, our job is to get them better and get them out of there, and, and we did that this year. Yeah, and they we do yeah, every year. Yeah, they're playing at a high level in a lot of places. So, got a couple more minutes yeah. here with Scott Hennessy, manager of the Drillers. We break down the playoffs here. You know, I mentioned Harper earlier. This is you know, even though it's not a Yankees, Cubs, Cardinal series. There are there are great players everywhere you look. Here, is there a guy you're going to be most interested in following, watching? Yeah, Mookie Betts and. Uh, Freddie Freeman and uh, James Altman and <laughs> Will Smith. 
Yeah, that's I'm just, that that I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that answer. That's that's at this time, uh, you know, being a Dodger for 19 years, uh, I just I just want us to 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 get there, win another World Series, and that's I'm locked in on that. Doing some advanced work, uh-huh. you know, with some other teams and seeing some videos. So I'm I'm uh, it may not be the answer you want to want to hear, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, we're we're going to do everything we can to win this World Series this year. We we have enough offensively. If we can keep, you know, if we can pitch it good enough, I think we're going to go, you know, with the Kershaw, Bobby Miller, Lance Lynn, maybe not in that order. Uh, that That's kind of what we're going to go with the first three games and see where we're at. But uh, the guys are ready. We're healthy. And uh, go Dodgers. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that one as a Dodger fan, Scott. Major League Baseball said yesterday, you know, attendance was up across the league 10%. No. Do you think the game is in a really good place right now? Yeah, I, I do because the, the, the new rule changes. I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but average time of game I think it was two hours and forty minutes. Um, so that's down twenty minutes, and uh, I think it's more enjoyable for the fans, less downtime, uh, a lot of exciting young players, uh, and, and it's only getting younger. You know, Jackson Holiday, he'd probably get to the big leagues next year. Um, uh, he was, you know, he was in AAA at the end of the year, so they're starting to move guys quicker. It's going to become a younger game, uh, more exciting game, more athletic game, and it's it's probably in a, it, uh, the game's in the best spot it's been in in a long time, in my opinion. I saw an article the other day, and and I, because you're of course a part of this Dodger organization, that said this may be the most important series and first series may be the most important series in Dave Roberts' career. And I, I know there was a lot of you know he's got some heat, he's got some pressure. He's been called a guy who just follows the numbers from the Dodger organization. Yeah. You, you know him better than we do. Is he feeling any of this? Does he care? Is this an important series for him? Yeah, he's feeling it, and of course he cares. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just what you sign up for when when you know when you become a Dodger, um, when you become a coach, instructor, in development in the big leagues. You know, it's there's pressure to win. You have to win every year. If not, you know, you're probably going to be out. Um, had some struggles in the playoffs and. Um, yeah, I think I think everybody's feeling a little bit, and uh, we need to get to the World Series and, and do some damage in the World Series. I think because it's just what you sign up for when you become a Dodger. Yeah, you know, I saw a, a quote from him about a month ago that said this was his favorite team. Why is it his favorite team? I just think I think the team. You know, you could see it in spring training. Um, and, and you know, I'm able to be in big league spring training. It's it, the team was together from day one. Uh, guys like each other. They care about each other. Um, we have good human beings and that's, you know, the guys that we sign, you know, Jason Hayward, a veteran, you know, guys like that, Lance Lane coming in, they're all good guys, good makeup guys. They care about each other. Kike Hernandez, we traded back for, um, we're not going to, we're not going to put a bad dude in the clubhouse, uh, good makeup guys, guys that want to win, uh, guys are having, having to sacrifice at bats because, you know, other guys are good too. And you're not going to get the at bats and maybe the innings pitch you are with another team. So you just have to, you have to become a team player, and, and guys that do that are going to be Dodgers for a long time, and they care about each other. Yeah. A lot of fun. There's no doubt it's time for the Major League Baseball playoffs. Do you, uh, you still get a little nervous, even though, I mean, I mean, you're part of the Dodger organization. You're not the guy on the bench making those decisions. You still yeah. get a little nervous and sit there and kind of watch what's going on and, and think, what would I do here, what would I do here, and all that? Oh, yeah. You're always on edge this time of year. Starting to, you could feel it this morning when I woke up and I knew I was going on TV, but it's playoff time. It's go time now, and um, we, we need to get this done. All right. Well, let's go get her done. There's no question. It's going to be a lot of fun. Scott, we're glad you're feeling a little bit better. Continue that improvement, and uh, let's go get them. 
All right, guys. Good to talk to you. I appreciate you all, and we'll talk soon. You betcha. Scott Hennessy, manager of the Tulsa Drillers, the mayor of Drillville. It is 8.50 here on the Blitz 1170. He's Scott File. I'm Rick Corey. We're in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio. We'll close this thing up in a moment right here on the Blitz 1170. It is a Tuesday drive to work in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio. Rick Corey along with Scott File. You know, we've got Oklahoma and Texas this weekend right here on the Blitz. You're going to hear a lot of football this weekend. You'll hear Jinx Norman North on Thursday, 6.30 pregame time right here on the Blitz 1170. Then on Friday, it's the blackout game in Stillwater, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. It's a good opponent to have coming in on a Friday night. That's a heck of a, that's a whale of a Friday night game. 4.30 is our pregame time. 6.30 will be the kickoff. Then on Saturday, Alabama at Texas A&M, 2 o'clock, right here on the Blitz 1170. And then on Sunday, a doubleheader. It will be the Saints at New England. That'll happen at 11.30. Then Dallas and San Francisco at 6 o'clock Sunday night. That's the pregame time for that one. You know, we talk about the uh, OU Texas game, Scott. I was looking through some numbers overall on offense and defense because we talk a lot about balance, which is one of the things, honestly, that's kind of gone by the wayside. But Tulsa has been remarkably good at that this year. You know, well, when I say balance, you've heard me say this before. It's not about numbers as far as it is efficiency at both. Tulsa's numbers have been really close. But if you look right now at top 25 offenses and defenses in scoring efficiency in the country in college football, the teams in there, Kentucky, Miami, Michigan, Oregon, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma and Texas. Once again, every number you look at for these two puts them in the same category with each other. And if you listen to those names, Kentucky, I think, is greatly underrated right about now. They've, they're, they're underbeaten. They've played very well. They dispatched Florida with no issue. As a matter of fact, it was their biggest win against Florida in uh, some 20 or something, 20, 25 games, years. From that standpoint, this Miami team... You know, they beat A&M early, and everybody thinks A&M was A&M. Well, A&M suddenly is coming back and playing better. They may be better than we thought. We know Michigan, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas is good. But these two just continue to be in that same in that same vein. And we're seeing a lot more of the balance now between the really good offense and really good defense for both these schools, which, again, just makes it that much more intriguing. Yeah, and I think, you know, once – you know, OSU's running game and the rotation of running backs is kind of still a work in progress. But I think – you know, as you mentioned, they're still getting the production. The numbers overall in the running group mm-hmm. is, is still there. But I think you're just trying to find that guy. And I think once they kind of figure that out, it's it's going to be even more balanced. Yep. I, I just don't think it's – I don't think there's anything you can look at in this one and say to yourself, well, no. this is the deciding factor because there are a lot of things that are deciding factor. In the end, though, it might just be how these two teams feel about each other like – well, for instance, how about a guy who's been in this series and played at a high level? How does Baker Mayfield feel about Texas? You come to Oklahoma to beat Texas. Yeah. I was born and raised in Austin. They didn't recruit me. I grew up 15 miles from their campus. I can't stand them. And anything they do, I don't care. You know, talk to the NFL guys. They, they say I have to calm it down a little bit. But when it comes to Texas, absolutely not. I can't stand them. That, no. Just end of story. Put that one on Twitter. Put that one on Twitter. (laughs) Indeed they did, Baker. Indeed they did. That's going to do it for a Tuesday. We'll see you back here on a Wednesday on the Blitz 1170. Coming up next, Dan Patrick. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.